When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to the Masterclass, the number one Manchester United tactical podcast brought to you by Manscaped. I'm Haydar Obani. I'm joined by my co-host as ever, Rob Blanchett. Rob, Manchester United have drawn with Liverpool. I mean, I swear the last few years we've had nil-nil draws. It's not really the derby that set the world alight. But United are still top of the table, at least for the time being. That They're three points ahead of Liverpool. I thought today the golfing class wasn't massive. I think United had two very good chances to win it. I come away thinking that job done to an extent, um, but I think you can see where United need to improve to get to the next level. So, Rob, welcome back. What did you make of tonight's performance? Cheers, Haydar. Well, I thought the performance was what it was, meaning that Manchester United were going there today to not get beat, to take the game late, take it deep into under the last 10, 15, 20 minutes, at goalless, and then maybe rob the result, which is exactly what they did. And they almost, almost, almost got that sucker punch towards the end. I think in that last 15-minute spell, Liverpool were looking tired. You could see the amount of running that they'd done in terms of controlling parts of the match in the first half. Uh, that doesn't help you later on in the game. And of course, bring on Cavani, just to give you that extra bit of bite. I think in that last kind of you know, he came on with 30 minutes to go, which I thought was early. But the idea was to, for, to kind of turn the result later on in the day. Um, overall, in terms of performances or how Manchester United were, I thought that they looked nervous for most of the first half. They were also a little bit too deep, a little bit too regressive, not playing between the lines. And I think that hurt United. But for me, in these days like this, when you're playing disciplined football, first of all, it's about not getting beat because when you're at the top of the table and you go to places like Anfield, the idea, even back in the day when United were winning championships, was to come to Anfield and not lose. 
And United would set up like that to kind of be that way. That's what they did today. I think they kind of turned it a little bit more in the second half. Um, we'll talk about two or three or four performances from United players today and about what could have been better. But overall, a point is probably a fair result. I don't think Liverpool deserved to win it, even though they may, maybe had the better chances. Um, and we move forward from that. Yeah, absolutely. I just think um, it's just one of those games where I'm happy we haven't lost, but there are opportunities where we could have won it. And let's go on to the selection and formation, Rob. So as you can see, Manchester United lined up with that 4-2-3-1. What were your thoughts, though? Because we saw Pogba on the right, and uh, we know that Liverpool are weak, especially in that right-hand channel between Fabinho and Trent. I mean, Trent is the, the weak link defensively. I thought Fabinho was fantastic today. He's an absolutely wonderful player. But um, it was quite strange, wasn't it? We saw Rashford up top. We saw Martial on the left. It didn't quite work for me. I, I wasn't a fan. My reasoning behind it was that Pogba would be playing perhaps diagonal balls to Martial to really exploit that. And Rashford's pace would be, you know, ex looking to exploit Fabinho and Henderson. But uh, it didn't quite work, did it? No, well, the idea was exactly what you just said there, to have Pogba on the right-hand side of the pitch and to play diagonals in behind to exploit, really, the centre channel between Fabinho and Henderson, as we can see there on the map, and also between Fabinho and Alexander-Arnold. So United really weighted everything down the left-hand side to have the pace there to exploit that. And I think that before the game, that was really where you could highlight the weakness of this Liverpool team. I think, in reality, what we saw was that United looked a bit lopsided. So it was difficult for Pogba to operate on the right, really, with Wamasaka not giving any kind of overlap. And we knew we knew, we knew he wasn't going to do that today with uh, the job he had to do on Mane. Uh, and it just meant with Man United that we were a bit one-dimensional. But I do think in, on days like today, where you are playing a kind of low block, which is what United did, and you're trying to kind of find a way to kind of open the door with the key, that key has to come from Bruno Fernandes. And it didn't. Bruno was rubbish today. So when he got pulled at 88 minutes, if it was anyone but Bruno, he probably would have got pulled with 20 minutes to go or something like that. But you keep him on the pitch because he is your X factor. We know he did have obviously a really good opportunity uh, later on in the second half to win it. And uh, Alisson makes the save. Um, but also Rashford, you know, I think he wasn't very good in the last match. I think today decision-making was wildly off. I think once he's got that space to operate in, you know, he played in, down as a centre-forward in the first half, and then kind of uh, ended up going wider in the second, you've just got to make better decisions. And he looks a little bit off for whatever reason, form, tiredness, injuries, whatever. We, we can make excuses to a blue in the face, but it's pointless. At the end of the day, you've got to try and take those small opportunities that you do get. There was a bit where he ran through against Fabinho, and really all he had to do was, was play Cavani in, or spread the play, maybe come even a bit more to the right himself straight away. But... He took that channel run through the middle and it made it easy for Binya to just to keep up with him, to shepherd him away from a goal-scoring opportunity. Um, so they're the, the kind of takeaways, I think, for United in terms of could they have won the match or not. They absolutely could have. And it does show that even, you know, you take away the centre-backs, you take away Van Dijk, what Liverpool are good at. This Liverpool team is still very, very good. That's why it's still near the top of the table. But you can see that they're front three doesn't have the same chemistry that it has done for, say, two or three years. And that is really where Liverpool will slip this season. It's not really about the centre-backs. You know, Henderson and Fabinho are both, you know, work, workman-like centre midfielders and they can cover and they can play there. And it's not great not having Van Dijk, but you saw today they, they still did their job. 
But Liverpool just don't join the dots in the final third like they were doing maybe, say, even six months ago. Yeah, excellent points here. We've got a comment here from Akesh saying, there were times I felt we were great but didn't threaten them much, needing to be more clinical during these matches. Rob, something very interesting. I want to touch on the, the double pivot. I thought what was uh, quite frustrating early on, we saw Thiago run the show like for 20 minutes. Uh, we spoke about that off air. And what I noticed with the double pivot is that you ask them to come in to to do a job. They've got to be disciplined. Oli goes for this, Fred and McTominay, because you want them to be disciplined, work hard, and allow that front four to excel. But the problem is, Rob, is that what we saw today, we saw we came up against a very good side. Let's no make no, make no bones about it. Liverpool are a fantastic side. They're champions for a reason. They're Champions League winners recently for a reason. What we saw for me, and I'm not putting anything against Fred McTominay, they worked very hard, but you saw the lack of quality. One in the you know passing the ball, I thought that was a problem. Retention, Fred lost the ball 12 times, McTominay seven times. I'm sitting here looking at the graphic and seeing 7.6 for McTominay and seven for Fred. And I'm really surprised because from what I saw, I thought they, they were quite poor today in possession and they weren't, they were going for spaces rather than mans. They were allowing the Liverpool players to, to flood forward. And I didn't think they were very solid today. I mean, maybe you have a different view on it, but if United want to get to that next level, they need to be upgrading in those two positions. Yeah, again, I, I think trying not to make it oversimplified, but let's look at it from the simple side to the more more kind of expansive part. So if you look at the graphic there, we've got them United set up in a 4-2-3-1. Just isolate for the viewers who are not actually just listening on Spotify, who are actually may be watching it on YouTube or on Twitter. If you kind of look at where, say, let's say McTominay's position there and if he gets the ball, he has got one, two, three, four, five, six outlet balls there to pass to, just from where he stood. That's if he picks the ball up in that exact spot. It's the same for Fred. So it's a mirror in terms of your double pivot. You have to make sure that the choices you make in those areas, that you're keeping the ball. Now, that's why Ole set up like that, because the idea was that if you pick up anything in front of the defence, you play it simple, five, ten yards, it can go from McTominay to Wambasaka to Pogba or to Lindelof or to Bruno or back inside to his partner, Fred, and even Maguire's on there, and you keep the ball. And that's what United still are not particularly great at. And I think really the maybe the antidote to that is to play the style of football that maybe United play more of, and that is not playing a low block, to play kind of more traditional 4-2-3-1, allow McTominay and Fred to be more combative, to go and get the ball, to go and engage the opponent, and then start from there as your starting point. What United did here was something that we saw in Europe quite a bit, is where you play the, the double pivot in a low block, and it's then very, very difficult for Fred and McTominay to be very effective in front of two centre-backs who are effectively only 10 yards behind them. So that's a really tough tactical thing to manage throughout 90 minutes. It might sound simple, but it's not. But what you have to rely on, like you said there, is that you keep the ball. Now, United, if, say, Thiago played for Manchester United and we signed him, you wouldn't play Thiago in this system because even though he's got all of those balls on, it would, st it would still be difficult. He'd want to be more progressive. And in Liverpool's shape, he was allowed in the first 20 minutes to be progressive. Now, what I will say is this. In the second half, Thiago was a lot less effective because United just pushed up the pitch a little bit more. It meant that Thiago was picking the ball up much, much deeper. And as I said before, if you engage him and you engage him higher up the pitch, then you're in a much better place. And United didn't do that for 20 minutes and it almost burnt them. So overall, I get what you're saying. Yep, yeah, you'd love to upgrade in those positions. 
But again, I say who, because I know there are players who can go and play these roles. But in this kind of formation, it's about role players. And McTominay and Fred can play those roles. It's just that I think you need to tweak the system to make sure that they have a kind of more effectiveness on the front foot a little bit more. They don't have to be the players sat five yards off their centre-backs for the whole game. In the second half, what was the best bit about Fred's play? Is that he was getting the ball and moving in a straight line going forward. That's what Fred wants to do. That's his game. So let him do a little bit more of what he's good at and then cover all the positions as you as you work around it. I think the 4-2-3-1 today was fine. Pogba on the right didn't really work. But overall, you saw that Manchester United did limit Liverpool over the 90 minutes. And as the game went on, they limited Liverpool more and more and more and more. And it looked like it could be a United victory. Whereas I think at 45 minutes, it felt like United had taken a bit of a pounding and they were on the ropes. And you thought, right, when is this goal coming? They need to adjust. They did adjust. And I think they got a result that ultimately in the kind of whole fabric of the season will be viewed as a positive result. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to use uh, context, Rob. And we all would have taken a point going into this game. Anyone that's that's that doesn't agree with that is probably uh, you know a little bit too optimistic. I mean, I would have taken the point. I'm happy with the point. Uh, you know, I'm. I think what we've seen is the deficiencies, which we already knew. And we talk about it every every single week. But we also saw that this the, the gap isn't as big. Liverpool did have a lot of players who are uh, injured, and we do have to take that into consideration. And, but and, and also just just to add there, uh, Hayden, before we move on to our next point, I just want to say I, just, I read one of the comments as it went through, and it said, "Oh, City would have beaten this team by five or four or five today." It doesn't matter. Forget what other teams would have done. It's about you. It's about us. Yeah, it's about how we work. I think today United weren't fantastic. I think that they let Liverpool off the hook a little bit. But I don't even think that Manchester United are so far away ahead of themselves that they should be coming to Anfield and, and winning these games by four or five or mimicking what Manchester City might be able to do or might not be able to do. I think last year we said the same thing about City should be beating Liverpool by X amount and then Liverpool went and spanked them. So I think today Liverpool realised they had to be the aggressor to stay in this game. And they did that for most of the match. However, as the game went on, you could see they were settling. You know, 10 minutes ago, five minutes ago, they were kind of thinking, mm, goalless draw, it's not the worst result in the world. Yeah, absolutely. And look, my last sort of views, Rob, on McTominay and Fred, and I think Gary Neville was spot on regarding the double pivot. And he said, you know, there's too big of a gap between them. We saw that in the first 30. And I just think that a lot of the times, you know, they had... Look, they have a lot of energy, and that's why you pick them in these games. But I thought energy levels were down today. Maybe yeah. it was anxiety. Maybe it was maybe honestly, maybe still in the minds of the players, they don't think they're at that required level yet. Um, which is which is definitely something which uh, has happened over the past few years. I mean, we got we got beat pretty badly last year under Jose Mourinho. We got badly. There's a lot of the same players. But um, you know, something I, I, I do want to add. I don't think football anxiety works at. Sorry, just to say, because I think I think that's worth addressing. What you just said there is that I I do think that I don't think the players go to Anfield and think we're not good enough. I don't think that for a second. I think what they think is we're doing something different this week than what we normally do. And that is a tough mental proposition. And that makes me anxious. So I think in the first half, you could see that Fred, McTominay, maybe several other players looked anxious within their own skins of what they were doing. I don't think they're sat there going, oh, am I as good as Thiago? Oh, am I as good as, you know, Shakiri? Well, yeah, you are as good as Shakiri. You know, I don't think they think those things. I think it's just in a natural state of a, of a competition, in a game where you're trying to beat an opponent, 
that you go there and you might be thinking, hang on, we're doing something a bit different tactically this week, which it was different positions, players playing out of positions, try and exploit Liverpool. And that ultimately hurt the pace of United's game. It hurt United in terms of their own transition where it was a little bit flat. Yeah, very, very fair points. Rob, let's move on to Luke Shaw. Guys, let us know your thoughts. Who your favourite player, or sorry, not favourite player, who your um, man of the match was, because I think the defence, as it's been mentioned in the comments several times, defence was fantastic today. I think we our execution in attack was was poor today. But um, I do want to talk about Luke Shaw, Rob, because it's, this is not just one performance. This is months now where he's been absolutely fantastic. Now, I had doubts about Luke Shaw, and my problems with Luke Shaw were I felt like he didn't have that the, the maybe the energy to get up and down the flank to overlap he wasn't doing that enough since Tellez has come in we've seen his levels have gone up but he looked explosive today Rob in the tackle he looked solid he dealt with Salah very very well and going forward as well he's he's always an option so just let me know your thoughts on Luke Shaw and why has he taken the step up is it because Oli's gone to him right look I believe in you I want you to go out there and I want you to be a modern day fullback. I want you to get forward. I don't want you to just sit back and defend because that's what he did under Jose Mourinho. And it takes a while, doesn't it, to get that out of your system and to have the confidence to go forward. Yeah, I think with Luke Shaw, you know, his his story at Manchester United, you could probably maybe equate it to maybe someone similar like Paul Pogba in terms of high expectations, maybe not always producing what you want to see, getting an injury that kind of sets you back for six months, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It feels like a saga rather than just a football career. I think with Luke Shaw at the moment, and I said this at the start of the season, I said he could be one of the most important players in Manchester United's squad this year and that he could be the missing piece, even though he already plays for Manchester United. And what I meant by that is that if he could kind of raise his levels to where you would want a championship winning left back to be, then you, you take seven steps forward rather than just the one. Luke Shaw at the moment is quite potentially the best left back in the Premier League on form. I'd agree with that. I was about to say he's top three, but I would agree with that right now. I don't think there's any left back I'll take over him. Luke Shaw was better than Robertson today. And I rate Robertson on his day as the best left back in the world. So if you look at it like that, and if, if Shaw is matching championship winning standard left back kind of expectations on how to play, and we'll, we'll get into why maybe he's playing like that now. But I think when you look at that as a kind of ballpark of what you want him to do on a football pitch, so today, marking Salah, having to get close, having to get tight, having to make sure there was no space in behind. Like he did make one or two iffy passes, but overall his, his overall game was excellent. But at the same time, giving something going forward because that stretches the play. That hurts Liverpool. That changes their mindset of just thinking, well, United are sat in. And, and let's be honest, you know, in years gone by when United have played the low block a la Mourinho, you, you would have seen Luke Shaw almost playing as a left-sided centre-back today. Yeah, you'd have seen him almost being a five with him being really tucked in and saying, Salah, you can have all of the wing and I'm not going to get near you. And if you run at me, then I'm going to have to take that. But he wasn't doing that today. What he was doing was he was man-marking the man there. He was going getting close to Salah, getting tackles in. And then he was making Salah think on the back foot. So that's great because that, that comes from confidence. And also that comes from doing a lot of tactical preparation over six months, 12 months, working with your manager and your coach and 
doing it over and over and over and over again and going to Carrington, doing your fitness work, getting up to speed and going, I'm a professional athlete. I'm at the top of my game. We're seeing that with Luke Shaw now and long may it continue. And like I said, and I think our last masterclass, if Luke Shaw plays like this, Tellers doesn't get a game. Tellers becomes the Carlin Cup man. You know, that, 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 that's the way it is. You know, you're only going to get opportunities in small competitions in the cup. You're not really going to get opportunities in the league because the person playing that position week after week is playing it so well. I think what we need to see now from Luke Shaw is long-term consistency. And when I say long-term, I'm talking two or three years. I'm not talking two or three months. I want to see Luke Shaw be this Luke Shaw forever. I want him to say, this is what I can be. And I'm going to look after my centre-backs on the inside. But hey, do you know what? I'm going to overlap. I'm going to cross the ball. I'm going to be dynamic. I'm going to be the guy that gets assists because I can be that man. And I think he can do it, you know, and, and I think this is, you know, I think he was man of the match today as far as, uh, you know, all of the kind of performers on the pitch. I think Thiago, because of who he is, will get the kind of plaudits because he's the great kind of uh, former Bayern uh, Barcelona talent who's come into English football and showed for 20, 25 minutes that he can run a game. But I think in the second half, Thiago wasn't particularly effective and was much deeper. Luke Shaw did it for 90 minutes because he had to defend the best attacker on the pitch, potentially, with Salah. And he had to make sure he was still going forward. And he was. So I think him, and also I think Martial on the left, on the first half, actually did quite a good job in terms of keeping the shape, even though he wasn't really getting into attacking positions. Him and Shaw were, were dovetailing nicely on the left, keeping a really nice shape to make sure that United were strong and solid and fluid in the right areas, but also at the correct times sitting in that low block and being able to kind of pick the ball off and they did that quite well yeah absolutely rob i'm going to read out some of the comments because there's a lot of uh love for sure and uh g-man's got a great point here sure set up for bruno for that great chance fantastic overlapping yeah. finding the man in the box something we haven't seen from sure he's he's mixing up his crosses so it's not just whipping them in you know for, for someone to header it that was low low driven cross i thought he was fantastic gerald also saying sure was immense today at the back should have had that assist helly's got a good point here rob and we talked about a lot the mental effect of that horrific injury he suffered is huge i mean you you probably would have said that on potential he was going to be one of the best left backs in the world that's how good he was when he was younger that's how highly rated he was and now you're seeing his confidence grow every match i think that's absolutely fantastic i mean moving on to lindelof because i think he definitely deserves a shout out today rob when when lindelof got um announced you obviously see that why is eric by not playing and uh, i understood why lindelof wasn't playing i said before the game that lindelof is Oli's first choice. Whether fans like that or not, he is the first choice centre-back. And Bailly's injury-prone. We've got to understand that Eric Bailly needs to be managed. We'd all love Bailly to play. He's He puts his body on the line. But Lindelof, I mean, there's a great comment here from H. Monsman. Lindelof with 10 clearances today. That says it all. I thought what he did fantastically well is he cut out all these uh, incisive balls through you know through the channels i thought he did that fantastically well i thought he was a calming presence i thought Maguire was probably a little bit more shaky and i do think as well that what's underrated is that lindelof is a talker by all by all accounts he's someone that's a big talker in the team and communication is very key and i just felt like he was a calming presence today united's defense was fantastic i mean we looked comfortable i would say going forward a few problems but lindelof deserves a bit more respect and i think fans maybe when the team sheet comes out just 
don't nitpick at it all the time. Just relax and see what we what we see during the game, and then you can evaluate it after rather than wanting so and so to play. Because it's not as simple as Eric Bai's playing well, Lindelof's not a good player. It's not that binary, is it? No, it isn't. And it's one of the reasons why we said we wanted to do this show was to make sure that we kind of assessed nuance and why managers make these decisions. You know, why does Ole pick a team? And it's all very well kind of highlighting these things on Twitter. And you're totally correct in the sense that Twitter ultimately is a popularity contest. That's what Twitter is. I have an opinion. My opinion is bigger than yours. And I'm going to shout about it until I get my way. Well, the one thing you'll never get is the team that you want to play because you don't pick the team. So you have to kind of sit back sometimes and think, why has the manager picked this team? Now, I'm not hot on Lindelof. I don't think that he's a long-term option for Manchester United at centre-back. I don't think he's a championship-winning centre-back in the way that we maybe talked about Luke Shaw there, about raising your standards. But there is a very kind of salient reason why he played today. And that is if you're playing the low block and you have say, Maguire plus one. Let's be honest, that's what it is. He's the captain. If you have Maguire plus one and you're playing a low block, you've got to look who is your ball player. Now, Eric Bailly is not the worst with the ball at his feet, but he's not the player that you want on the edge of your box with the ball at his feet. You're more likely to say you want Lindelof. So I get that. I totally understand why Ole did that because that's, you know, when again, I've said this before, like when you look seven, eight, nine games into the future, Ole will be planning his squads and planning his kind of um his kind of first choice starting 11s in his head and why he has those starting 11s and for this kind of game if he's thinking right we're going to sit in a bit he's 100% wanting Lindelof in there now next week he might start by because if he thinks that he needs a centre-back to go and hunt he needs a centre-back to be physical or you know if you're playing you know, uh, someone like Jamie Vardy is going to run the channel and run behind you. There was one situation today where it was quite evident where they got in on the left channel. And again, it's that issue between Lindelof and Wambasaka that we've talked about, which is historical. But in, when you're in that channel, can Lindelof recover? And Liverpool went from the halfway line to the edge of the box in about two seconds flat. Why is that? Lindelof is slow. But if your game plan is to sit in, which it was today, that's what United did, then you want Lindelof sitting in because he's just better with the ball at his feet in those scenarios. Uh, it's good to see those kind of uh, clearance stats because that shows that he was in a, in a good position for most of the time. There was one point, I think, in the second half where he got bigged up by Carragher on the on the Sky broadcast where um, he kind of threw his body across the six-yard box and cleared it and United almost went up the other end when and scored. Yeah, yeah and, and that's great because it means he's kind of reading the plays in the right position, looking after that little bit of space in between him and where, where Maguire operates. So today, yeah, I, there was a lot of, I got a lot of tweets early on going, oh, Ole's this, Ole's that. He doesn't know who his best centre-back is. Baye's the best centre-back in the world. Look, Eric Baye's had a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries, and we have to make sure that we look after him over the season, the whole season, not just every two or three or four weeks. And I think the health report will be saying that. I think they'll be saying you can play him, but you can't over-whip him in these, in these scenarios. You can't push him too hard. This is the kind of game where United were okay to play a centre-back who's a little bit slower because all the plays in front of them, they're playing in a low block, save by for another day. You know, you, you don't win the title at Anfield today, whether you win, lose or draw, and you don't win the title next week and you didn't win it six weeks ago. You win it at the end of a season and you need to keep players fresh and ready. 
Eric Bailly will have his day. There's no doubt about it. He's shown to us, hasn't he, that he can play in this Man United team, that he can be a starter, and that's a great thing. But at the same time, fans just need to get off this whole popularity tip because this, you know, this ain't the masked singer. You know, you don't have to vote for anything at the end of the day. You don't have to say who your favourite is. You just have to hope that the tactics work, make comments on the tactics. But you can only really ever tell after 90 minutes when the final whistle's blown. Yeah, exactly, Rob. I'm going to read out a few comments here. I think the Green Devil sums it up. I don't think it's Lindelof himself that worries people. I think the worry is actually Maguire when Lindelof plays. But as you said earlier, yeah. we saw today playing a low block, Lindelof makes more sense. And when you're playing, like next week, I expect us to have more possession against a Fulham side. I expect Tech Bay to come in. And that's okay, rotating. You've got to have different options in the squad. I think that's very, very important. Rob, I'm actually going to read out Ollie's comments from the press conference because uh, yeah, I think please. it's very interesting. Uh, so he said here, we've improved and progressed. It's not just the results we're disappointed with. It's some of the performances. I know these boys can play better. And the other comment is, we can play better than this. We can be more composed. We can have the ball more. We had to defend really often today. There are a couple of us things for us to improve on. I like that mentality, Rob. Let's break that down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Ollie. A year ago, would he have said that? Would he have been disappointed? Not at all. And that shows yeah, how far we've no. come. That totally. shows that yeah. the gap is getting smaller. We have higher expectations. And he's unhappy. You know, he said, says that he said as well that I'm not going to smile because we've drawn the game. You know, I wanted to win the game. That's what we want to see. And that's great, isn't it? Because now we're seeing this belief build up in the squad. We're seeing a manager that's looking at the game and thinking, we can go and take on the bigger sides. We've still got to get a few more players in probably, uh, upgrade in certain positions, but the signs are brilliant, aren't they, going forward? There is progress and we should be positive. This isn't the end of the world that we drew at Liverpool. We haven't lost in about three, four years at home. Yeah, I think that this is why I kind of said before about highlighting about anxiety and what is anxiety and how it works in football and sport in general, in elite sport. Um, I think with Ole, Ole look, would have looked at this game now after 90 minutes. Again, they, this is what they do. They go away, they take the tape, they they go and crunch the numbers, they look at who statistically did X, Y, and Z. And, you know, in basketball, you call it the X and the O's and about where people play in positions and what they should have done and what they didn't do. And I think Ole will look at this and he might think opportunity missed. You might look at it and say, do you know what? If we take one or two of those chances, it might be a day at the office where United don't have a lot of possession, as we would expect in this kind of game. But if you take one, two, three chances, this is 3-0. And people are going, oh my God, it's a change in the the whole kind of stratosphere of English football. You've got to remember, Manchester United only 12 months ago were, what, 30 points behind this Liverpool team? Yeah, 30 points in football terms is like between here and the moon. That's how far it is. It's a long way. 10 extra wins with them not winning an extra point is a long way. Somehow, they've managed to close that gap in a time when they've not even played great football. They've played some good football and we've highlighted all of those things. But when you actually look at the kind of reality of it, I I looked at this game today thinking, we might go to Anfield and beat them. Now, that's the first time I felt that for maybe seven years. I I was quite confident, I'll be honest with you. I thought... This, if there's ever, ever a time for United to beat Liverpool at Anfield, it's it's today. Yeah, in real time, I felt after the first 15 minutes, I felt a bit deflated because I kind of looked at it and I thought to myself, oh, I don't, not sure about the shape, don't like Pogba on the right. Is that working? I can see what he's trying to do. But, but you know, w- why change something if it, you know, fix something if it's not broken? All of those kind of cliches with football. Uh, I, I think overall, I think that United will, will be sat there in the dressing room at Anfield 
And there will be some of that discussion going on. So Bruno might be questioning himself at the end of the game, going, if I was a bit better. You know, Marcus will be saying to himself, well, if I just made one or two better decisions. Um, I think the rest of the team, you know, in terms of the balance, we can talk about a lack of quality with the double pivot and the players that play it, or, you know, what do we want from our fullbacks? You know, Luke Shaw having a great game. But how clo how much closer is Manchester United today than they were 12 months ago, six months ago, the day Liverpool lift the title at Anfield in the cop with their kind of made up scenery and, you know, for, for television cameras and all of this on that day, how far away were Manchester United away from that Liverpool team? Well, they were from here to the moon. So the point is the moon has got a lot closer. So if that's the case, I think this Manchester United team should feel good about itself because they can go to the training ground now and say, well, that was a good experience because we didn't lose. We got a point. We stopped Liverpool also from winning and we might have won that game. Well, I think in years gone by, we'd have seen Mourinho's United go to Anfield and play the low block and kind of give away a lot of the impetus which I think we did today for 45 minutes, but then we took it back. And that's good because that's a positive mindset. It shows they worked through their football anxieties and they became more confident. So I, I think Ole's talking the right kind of talk there because he's not going to say, oh, it's a great game. We got, a, we got a goal to draw at Anfield, hurrah. And you wouldn't want him to say that. But at the same time, there's no real room for negativity there. There'll be tons on Twitter again, people going, oh, United are this, United are not good enough. You know, City would have won 12-0 and all of that. None of that matters. That's all just kind of smoke and mirrors. What matters is that United went there and managed the game well enough to get a draw and probably could have got the three points had they just turned the screw a tiny bit more. I agree with that. Rob, I'm going to bring up Helen's question here. We'll quickly touch on it before we talk about how United set up in big games. Mm -hmm. But uh, she's asking, can we talk about Rashford? Rashford's yes. very selfish tonight, and I feel the last few games hasn't been a team player. I think it's a very, very fair comment. He frustrated me a lot today, Rob. You know, you mentioned earlier on in the podcast, and I was shouting at the TV when he could have given it to Cavani, and he just went out wide and lost the ball. And he's... I didn't like him at centre forward. He's not centre forward for me. Um, I didn't under I didn't really under I understood why Oli was doing it. Rashford. One of the positives about Rashford and what he's developed in this game is he is a willing runner. He's direct and he will run. He'll make those runs in behind. He usually likes to take the ball to feet, but that's actually something he does very well. So I could understand if you're playing Fabinho and you're playing Henderson. Let's exploit that. And I thought Martial did pretty decent off the left. I didn't like Pogba on the right as well, but I understood the reasoning, obviously, you know, perhaps playing those diagonal balls. But something that did frustrate me about United today, and I think it just shows where we actually are in terms of our development. But United trying to do it in one rather than play a sequence of passes to get, the, you know, get to the final ball. It was quite rushed at times today. Uh, we grew into the game. But um, Marcus Rashford, let's talk about him. And even Bruno Fernandes, we can talk about them quickly together. 58% pass completion. I thought Bruno probably had his worst game. United but then you keep him on because he gets one chance and he possibly puts it away that's what he does but when two of your best are probably maybe not best but two of your most important players aren't firing against the best team in the league or the champions it's always a difficult ask to win isn't it yeah definitely let's talk some Rashford can you also Haydar bring up the team map again on your side because I think it, it's kind of makes sense when you can see it visually again for our, our viewers who are watching it either on Twitter or or on YouTube um, when you kind of look at the positions and you, you kind of see what Rashford was asked to do today, one of the problems for Rashford in, say, the last few weeks is that he's played several different roles. So when you're playing on the left-hand side week after week after week after week, it gets easier to be balanced, to know what your job is and to replicate. 
So today, with that shape that we can see there on, on the screen for everyone watching at home, you can see that Rashford was kind of addressing that central channel. And of course, the idea was, was not just really about having Pogba on the right to play the diagonal, but if you push Martial, say, level with Rashford there, if you can imagine that there, and having Fernandes maybe playing in the number 10 spot, that triangle then is about exploiting the two left-hand side channels. So Rashford's going to run between Fabinho and Henderson, and the threat of that is going to open up the channel between Fabinho and Alexander-Arnold. And as we all know, Trent is great on the front foot, not so great on the back foot. So that was the tactical idea today. Now, did Rashford play that particularly well? For me, not really. I think he looked a bit lost as a striker today. I would have preferred to see maybe Cavani, uh, not Cavani, sorry, to play Martial as the nine and Rashford on the left, because I think Rashford can do that. Or you play Rashford on the right and Pogba on the left, and you allow Pogba to address Trent Alexander-Arnold on the back foot because he's not so great defensively. And it would allow Shaw to overlap, Rob. So and, and allow Shaw to overlap. So that's kind of what I would have preferred to see. But I'm not Ole. I don't see the fitness reports. I don't see the sports science reports. I don't see any of the stuff that is the technical information that allows me to think certain things. But it does make sense that you put Rashford between Fabinho and Henderson, two midfield centre-backs who maybe don't play the position as well. But as we said, Fabinho played quite well today. Um, and run them in a way that they don't want to be run at behind. You know, you don't want Henderson. Henderson doesn't want to cover that run from Rashford. That's why Ole did it. So technically, tactically correct, but the players themselves didn't quite execute. Now, I think with Marcus, there is a, a huge expectation for him. He's Mr. Manchester United now. So for all, you know, all intents and purposes, Fernandez has come to United for a year, not put a foot wrong, wins, you know, player of the month every month. Everyone's saying he's kind of an elite midfielder and he has the freedom to play and be himself. And I think with Marcus, there's, there's this kind of, there's this thing of him carrying the attack at times because of his pace, because that he's the life and soul of this football team, because he's a mank, he's, you know, homegrown, all of those things, the additional pressure. He also, out of all of our players, has the most additional pressure off the pitch. And we know why that is, because he's literally running the British government at the moment. So there are all of these things that Marcus has to balance I've got no problem with a player being selfish. So let's take that run where he runs at Fabinho. That, for me, is about him knowing when to be selfish and when not to be. That's the key. Cristiano Ronaldo knew when he was in Man United shirt when to be selfish. Let's be honest, he was selfish most weeks, all the time. But his production made sure the goals and the assists made you believe in him. Yeah, And I think with Marcus, when we actually look at his goals and assists, there is some kind of method there. He knows himself he's getting goals and assists over the course of a season. But in that moment to win a game, you have to think, I'm going to go right, I'm going to pull Fabinho with me, and then I'm going to slot it left, I'm going to let Cavani have a go. That's just a split-second decision. I don't think Marcus Rashford, we have a problem with him being a greedy footballer. I think the issue is him maybe just being mentally switched on in the moment. And that is something I think is historical for him. So he has to make better decisions going forward. But it is difficult when you're playing a different striking role every week. One minute you're playing the central corridor between Fabinho and Henderson. Next week he will play the right-hand side where he'll be addressing a, a left-back. Then he'll be playing to the left-hand side again and, and having to work with Luke Shaw, a different, a different fullback. It's difficult. It really, really is difficult. And I know that, again, fans might not appreciate that fact because it just feels like it's all football, but it's not. It's hyper-tactical awareness and being able to play different roles. But that's the demand. 
you know, if, if Marcus Rashford wants to be Manchester, Manchester United, which he does, then he has to do a lot of these kind of different things. But then you need Bruno to play well. So Bruno wasn't very good today. His passing was off. I thought as well, because he was playing in this low block, in a United kind of played low block as a 4-4-2 without the ball, which yeah. was different. We haven't done that for a long time. And it meant that Bruno wasn't pressing. And you could tell he was told not to. He was told to keep the shape. And I think when he doesn't press, he loses something. He loses something up here. And he loses something in there. And he just seems less effective. He's the guy who wants to go chasing. So you let him go chasing. And I think Vole, he kind of, he restricted him today. And I think for that reason, you get less out of Bruno for that reason. I'd rather see Bruno in a 4-2-3-1, either as a false nine or as a 10, playing that, bursting towards the, the box and being the guy that leads the press. You'll see now after this Liverpool game, this we won't see this formation ever again. We won't see a four four two sat sat back like that for the rest of the season because United won't give other teams that kind of respect. Yeah. They'll be like, we sat up four two three one, we press you from the top, and Marcus will play more traditional formation positions for where he's used to, and United will be a little bit more settled. I think that was the key to it today. It's just they were kind of doing something that they didn't really, you know, they're, they're not ready for it. You know, in the sense that they would have had two days to train to do this, two days. It's not long, is it? It's not long enough to kind of fundamentally change your approach in a football match. United need more systems, but it's quite, you know, I'd have preferred them just to have done something that they know today rather than doing something they don't. Yeah, I agree with that, Robin. T to be honest with you, I thought while the setup wasn't incorrect, I thought Oli would go 4-2-3-1. Without the ball, you'd have Bruno pressing split strikers. I thought we'd do that. Rashford on the right, Martial um, on the left. And without the ball, I thought Pogba would sort of slot into a 4-3-3. That's what I thought United should have done. Um, but obviously we saw this today. I wasn't really a fan of it. I think maybe it was a bit too much tinkering um, for my liking personally. I think the players you could see in the first 20 minutes weren't necessarily sure what they were doing. Um, Oli was gambling. Oli was gambling. Yeah, exactly. no doubt about it. He, he was trying to kind of like... like Jurgen Klopp would have predicted that starting lineup. Like the starting lineup, there was nothing uh, expansive about the na the names on the sheet. But you really did think it was quite interesting. This, I thought Pogba would play on the left because that's what you expect in that shape. And Sky flashed up with half an hour to go that he was playing on the right, and I thought that's weird. So someone told someone that Paul Pogba was playing on the right. Now, I don't think for one second it was Paul Pogba, and I don't think it was a dressing room. But someone somewhere has told someone at Sky that Manchester United were setting up like that, whether it be in the shape with the warm-up, and sometimes you can see that in the warm-up, and you go, oh, he's on the right, and you can guess. That's what we used to do at Old Trafford quite a bit. You'd see Louis van Gaal set his whole team up <laughs> an hour before kickoff, and you would know what shape they were playing because that's what they were warming up like. That might have been the case. For me, you know, you, you kind of look at that shape, you look at those numbers. I think that Ole was just trying to stand at the table and roll a double six. You know, I'm going to play this system. I'm going to do it for 20 minutes, see what happens and see if I can kind of get an early goal or really kind of disturb Liverpool's equilibrium on the front foot. It did a little bit, but Liverpool still had most of the ball. They still had the better chances. As a tactic, it didn't really work, but it also didn't hurt United. You look at the XG, Rob, you know, 1.53 for Liverpool, one, about 1.26 for United. Wasn't too much in it, really. Uh, we oh, knew yeah. they were going to dominate possession. We knew they were going to have more shots. I thought a pass accuracy was low. Look, you can see at the bottom there, 74%. I think that needs to improve. Let's go on to the final word, Rob, because um, United now, that's six games against top six sides, and they haven't won one yet, which is, for me, 
Uh, a big difference from last season. We saw that United are very good in the big games. Like you said last week, though, United, it's about winning the smaller games. That's how you win titles. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, United have just lost to Palace. That's that's all out of the, the small teams they play, which is fantastic change. But you can see that what's happening now is Oli's trying to play a more expansive style of play against these bigger sides. And it's, it's take, it, it's, I would say, I would say it's taking a bit more time in terms of, uh, us getting to that level, I don't think we necessarily can go to uh, Liverpool and go and play our game, and we we saw that today. Um, but the signs are good, aren't they? You know, with a few more additions in key positions and a bit more progress, I think we can go next season, perhaps these bigger sides, and uh, really start imprinting our style of play on them, rather than looking to always, always, always uh, be containing rather than you know pushing our style on them. Yeah, I wouldn't say today was expansive in any any way, shape or form. What I will say is that Manchester United are trying to do what big clubs do. And that is when you're you're up against a really good opponent or someone that you think might damage you, that you mitigate it. But you have to have a bit of both. So today, I think, you know, I said at half time that I want United to just go and play a bit more football. You know, they've done this defensive work. Yep, they're tracked. Yep, they've sat in. Yeah, they tried to be disciplined. But ultimately, in football, you cannot win unless you play football. It sounds ridiculous to say, but that's the truth. And sometimes it's a bit easy for players to maybe hide and to say, do you know what? I'm just playing my role today. I'm in the double pivot. I don't need to kind of burst out. I don't need to kind of put anything more into that. I'm just going to play the shape. And that happens quite a lot at every football club. But you've still got to have your X factors. Yeah. And for United, the X factor in this kind of scenario would have been Rashford, it would have been Martial, it would have been Bruno. And I think two out of those three really kind of looked well off their games today. So I think overall it's encouraging. You know, we talked about, yeah, the top six there and taking points. If you lose the title by, say, 10 points or some something in that ballpark figure, you could then at the end of the season go, do you know what? We just weren't really good enough against the other top six teams because we could have taken points off them, reduced their points totals and won the title. That might be a place where Man United are at the end of the season. And you know what? If that's where we are, I'll take that. Because that's still way, way ahead of where we were a year ago, where we were 30 points off it. So if we're talking like that, say in the last masterclass of the season, and we're going, do you know what? United came second or third or fourth even. And it was because they didn't take the points off the top six. That's something you can tangibly work on as a football club. Week to week to week to week, you have different challenges. You've got to do different stuff. And that's what Man United are doing. I think they're doing that better. I think when they're playing the teams outside the top 10, they're managing those scenarios much better. They're making bad teams look worse, you know, rather than making them look better, which is what they've done for maybe two or three or four years. And this is all progress. It represents progress. Going to Anfield and being relatively comfortable and not losing the game is progress. It's not exciting. It's not going to kind of wake you up in the middle of the night tonight and make you think, oh, do you know what? United were great in a goalless draw at Anfield. No, it won't do that. But taking a point off Liverpool, who are the champions, who are going to be one of your direct contenders for the rest of the season, and making sure that they haven't got another three points on you, that's progress. That means something. And I think Ole will go take this game, notch it off. Like I've said before, with the goalless draw against Manchester City, yeah, you'd love to win them. And eventually you might be in a situation where you are the better team in years to come and you will win those games. But today, there's still a balance there that you have to you have to create. You have to make sure you don't lose these games. Absolutely spot on, Rob. Guys, thank you very much for all your comments. It's been absolutely fantastic. We'll be back after the Fulham game on Wednesday. I believe it's a late one. So make sure you tune in. This is the Masterclass, the Manchester United tactical podcast brought to you by 
brought to you by Manscaped. Have a lovely evening and we will see you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.